Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Ministry of Supply and Blue Apron. I'm Simone DeRoche for video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined, of course, by Christina Warren, senior writer at Gizmodo, and Brianna Wu, watcher of the new Mass Effect Andromeda trailer. This is her <laughs> new life now. She Watch has a space life. Just hitting the floor right now as we're starting the show. I've never seen this. Oh my god! Okay, we're, oh, we're gonna have a talk. <laughs> about that later we're gonna keep the audience on their toes for a full hour while we talk about other things that aren't the mass effect trailer um simone i have to say christina you picked the topics of the show what like four or five days ago and they yeah. were perfect they were yeah perfect. So, <laughs> no changes to you that psychic? lineup do you control the news somehow like how did you figure that out so i i will admit it was a little bit of a um i was I was a little bit uh, cheating because I knew after CES that there wouldn't be a ton of news, that everything kind of dies. And I knew that Nintendo was having their big event. And so I just kind of, and I knew it was the iPhone this week. So I just kind of, yeah, I kind you of You literally looked into the future is what you did. <laughs> I kind of looked at like the editorial schedule and I was like, what, unless something massive breaks, this is what we're going to be talking about because after CES, no one's going to be launching anything unless it's been pre-announced. Wow. Good for well, them. You were, Get it you were all dead out of the way. It. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. I, oh I'm God. so excited. I mean, just to, I guess, hear your take on or your experience with CES, Christina, and also for the Switch event tomorrow, which we will surely be covering in great, with great fanfare later and then next week as well, because we'll know everything. But everything. <sighs> now you'll get our, our raw take on yeah. what we expect slash hope slash red. But first of all, so you spent last week at CES, Christina. I believe you're the yes, only I one did. of us who did. Uh, and I'm looking right now at your sick write-up of all the coolest tech from CES. And I I think most primarily I'm excited as a person who has to buy a TV about these TVs that I can't have. <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean – Actually, here's the good news, uh, Simone. Um, you might not be able to buy the TVs that are super expensive that I talked about in my Best of CES post, but we ended up seeing a lot of really good cheap TVs, too. Really? Yeah. Okay, so tell me about will that. Will they be yeah. literally, like, paper thin and float through the they air gently to thin, follow me around my bad. home? So, um, so honestly, um, one of the, uh, the big trends at CES this year, and CES was a weird show this year. You know, there wasn't anything I would say that was kind of, like, massively standout where you were like, this was, you know, the breakthrough year for this. You know, like last year, there was a lot of car stuff. There was a lot of VR stuff. This year, there were definitely some cool things, um, and it was a good show. But aside from LG's wallpaper TV, which was, to me, just kind of stunning, and Razer's uh, three-screen um, laptop concept, which, you know, is a concept and, and, and is ridiculous, there weren't kind of a – there weren't a, a, a ton of things that really kind of stood out as being like, oh, this is the future. But one of the big things we did kind of see with TVs, with OLEDs especially – was the concept that they're getting thinner and thinner. And so the idea is that instead of having all the guts in the back of your TV, you have it in a breakout box that then connects to your TV with a cord. 
And that's smart for a lot of reasons. One, um, it means that your TV can get a lot thinner. So LG has a TV that will be out uh, this spring called the W7. Um, it'll be expensive, but it's beautiful. That is two and a half millimeters thin. Let me say that again. Oh it God. is two and a half millimeters thin. You add another millimeter or so onto it if you wall mount it with their special, uh, um, I guess, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not harness, but a uh, frame. They have like a frame that, that uh, you know, you would like basically bolt into your wall. That Like a then- wall vase? Exactly, exactly. It's it's like a vase amount, but 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 it's it's very thin, and then it's magnetized, and so basically you you put that vase amount, but it has to be custom Uh. for this you know TV on your wall, and then the TV connects through magnets. It's awesome, and then the guts of the TV are in this beautiful, beautiful soundbar, this Dolby Atmos soundbar. So not only so it's it's a useful way of doing it. So uh, Samsung also had a very thin TV that had a breakout box. That I didn't like the concept quite as much because you know you have you still have to have your separate soundbar and your separate other stuff. Whereas the LG, you know, literally the the, the TV will will you know connect to your wall with magnets, and then you've got this beautiful soundbar that has all the guts on the inside, so it connects with one thin cable. And the the way the way they showed it off in kind of their demo room, you know, you could have some kind of custom. Uh, you know, going behind the wall kind of stuff to have the to have the uh, connection. Um, Sony also had uh, a model where they actually built all the guts into the stand that also was the sound bar. So they had a, it, does it connect yes. with uh, HDMI or USB C or something else? Oh, I mean, it's a custom proprietary cable. Oh, okay, so, okay, because so, they're so, fancy. So, so yeah. it, it, it's more like like the LG one was actually kind of similar to like a monitor cable, if that would make any sense, on the inside of a laptop. It's kind of a flat cable, mm. very thin. Um, Samsung's was also very thin and very small, kind of like looked like fishing line. Um, so it's a proprietary cable. But then in the box itself, you know, you've got all your HDMI's and and USBs and and all of that stuff. And, can and I ask so, a question? So sure. You say it was OLED. Uh, yes. And they can get like two millimeters thick. So I'm assuming there's no backlight technology or whatever for it. You can really see across the room with OLED technology oh, yeah. now. That is amazing. Oh yeah. Wow. It, it, I mean, it's like being in a movie theater, and wow. because they're so bright, dude. The OLEDs are so good. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you're talking about like a 4K screen, and it's got you know the LG had every flavor of HDR, HDR10, you know, Dolby uh, Vision. Um, there's this new uh, HDR that the name I can't think of right now, which is new. I hadn't even heard of like HLMG or something like that. Anyway, um, it's ridiculous and, and it's so cool, but it is basically like being in, um, you know, looking at a movie theater thing. Um, so that's awesome. And that'll be, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but if, if for, for you, Simone, what I would be excited about, um, TCL, um, who, uh, is, is a Chinese manufacturer, but they are, who I uh, love uh, actually yeah, my last they, they, they uh, make, TV was a TCL TV and it was they great. Make great TVs. They make great TVs. Well, they make a lot of TVs with Roku built in and they actually have a whole line of 4k TVs with Dolby vision built in and starting at $500, which is Whoa. insane. And they, they're going to have a model that's even cheaper than $500 that doesn't have Dolby vision that just has HDR 10. So $500 <gasps> for like a 50 inch. $500 for a 50-inch Dolby Vision TV is nuts. It has Roku built into it. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and those prices will only be coming down. Like, uh, my Hisense TV that I got on Prime Day in uh, June, in July, 
has HDR10. It doesn't have Dolby uh, Vision, um, but it has HDR10. That was a $300 TV for a 43-inch 4K TV. Wow. Oh um, and it's God. a good TV. It, does, it doesn't have the Roku stuff, but it does have smart stuff built into it. That's by Hisense. Hisense also showed off some other 4K stuff and, and um, some, some other like Roku things. But the TCL TVs for you, Simone, that's what I would kind of look for because if you're looking for a TV that's 4K that has the HDR, both HDR10, which is what the um, uh, PlayStation, not the PlayStation, but what the Xbox supports and um, what um is, is kind of a the standard for some of the video game stuff, but also Dolby Vision, which is what the movie studios are supporting, is a little bit better. That would be that would be my pick. Now, is that one on the market right now, or is that one of their coming? It's not, up? but it it'll be like two months. Oh, nice. How so? Oh. My current TV in my den, the one I play all my games on, the one I do everything on, is only I think it's like forty three inches or something like that. It's yeah. really small for like my main TV. And, you know, something I'm going to splurge on this year is like a big, awesome 60-inch TV or at least something bigger. You know, like I'm trying to play Final Fantasy XIV and I can't read the right. font from across <laughs> the room. Totally. So, I mean, is anything like, will you like text me if you see something that's like a good deal with that? Because yeah, I've got to upgrade oh, I'll, this I'll year. I'll keep an eye yeah. on it because I have to buy a TV. Uh, as you know, my roommate moved out. So oh. I am in the market for a television. Um as we speak, and couches. So if you have a freaky, freaky smart couch, no, that'd be useless. <laughs> I have a, a question, actually, relating back to the thin TVs. I mean, we know now that the TVs that we have last thousands of years, in fact, <laughs> they, they outlive us. Is there any, I guess, concern that with having such a, a delicate television and all the hardware that's powering it in a separate box, is there any concern that the lifespan of the TV would be shorter? You know what? I don't think so. I think if anything, you could, you could potentially. Now, this isn't a guarantee because they could always just change the connect the connector. But I think you could potentially make the argument that actually the lifespan would be better, or at least repairs would be easier because they just have to, you know, repair the boards mm. that are inside that breakout box rather than having to get behind the TV and mess with the screens and all that stuff. So. I don't know. I don't think it'll make any difference. I mm-hmm. think your TV will last however long it lasts, and if you need to repair. If it's on the screen portion, you know, that could get pricey, but a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's in the components, you know, one of the boards will break out or, or, or you know, blow a fuse or something. And then it's it's easier for them to make the replacement. In an ideal world, so, uh, Samsung tried this. It didn't really work for them. They had these things called the evolution kits. And what that would happen, what that would do is you would buy a Samsung TV and would have basically the ability to upgrade the guts. And so you could grab this, you know, this box that would kind of go in the side of the TV and you could pull that out and put in a new one that would give it more features, faster processor, more oh, RAM, stuff like wow. that. Oh, um, my God. That was a good idea in theory. They did that for a couple of years, and then they stopped doing it. And it's basically dead. And I, I asked them about it this year, and the, and the rep at the booth gave me a funny look. They were like, well, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know that thing you used to get on stage every year? And you're like, look, we got our own <laughs> like, kit. no, we didn't. <laughs> Exactly. They were like, no, we've never, they're like, I don't know her. You know, like they were, it was, it was totally like, we, we have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but in a perfect world, that would happen. Uh, one of the other cool things, um, that could potentially, they're not in TVs now, but I think that Intel is probably maybe going to target TVs is, uh, to make them even thinner is, is this new thing called, um, the compute card. And I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah. So this is, um, if you are familiar with their compute stick, this is, 
similar idea, but more powerful. Their compute stick is something that they came out with a couple of years ago. That's about the size of like an HDMI stick, like, like what the old Chromecast used to look like, or what like the Roku TV stick looks like. And basically in it, it had, it's, it's kind of like slightly more powerful than a Raspberry Pi, but it's a full Windows or Linux machine. So it's got an Intel processor and, you know, however much RAM and, you know, um, a memory chip and, 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 pl- and wireless Bluetooth, the whole thing. And so you've basically got a full computer that you can plug into the back of a computer monitor and run the whole thing. So it's cool for offices or for people who are kind of wanting to program their own stuff because rather than needing to have a big computer, you just have this compute stick. And the compute card is kind of a similar idea uh, where it'll have a KB Lake processor, you know, all of your wireless functionality, um, you know, RAM, NAND stuff, and it's um, the the thickness of four credit cards. Oh so my it's, God. So it's incredibly thin. And How do they what, do a power supply with that? Well, I think that the power would be coming from wherever you're docking it. Oh, got so, it, got it. Okay, yeah. so so um, with, what their first uh, kind of implementation of this is going to be is going to be really cool. They're working with Foxconn, and Foxconn owns uh, the brand Sharp. And basically, they're going to have like big kiosk displays. So right now, this is a pretty common use case for what the compute sticks were doing and, and also other kind of embedded systems where you have like really, really big displays and you need to power them. And people are like, well... You know, do you have like a little mini computer or like a Chromebox or, or what do you do? And instead they'll, they'll use this and that will be what powers, you know, these kiosks or displays. But eventually what Intel wants is they, I think they, they like the idea of being able to maybe, you know, have TVs that could be sold that take compute sticks. And, and so manufacturers could just have like all the guts powered by the compute stick and then just have the screen. Um, or, you know, potentially even have docking stations for, you know, computers. So you could think for an office you know, they have a docking station and, and the monitor set up and people, you can just move your compute stick from, or a compute card rather from like, you know, one to another. That so, would make our um, entire office situation more amenable to everyone. Did they, did they mention anything about the, what the storage capabilities are? You mentioned that there is storage, but it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends. I mean, but I mean, yeah. if you look at how small you can get a NAND chip now, I mean, yeah. like I saw, uh, uh, who was it? It was uh, Kingston showed off a two terabyte thumb drive. I saw that and I wept because that's exactly <laughs> the kind of thing that I want in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my I mean, gosh. Yeah. So it- I'm just, so yeah, I mean, the chips are small enough and you can get them powerful that, enough. It, it sounds awesome. I just, you know, I think for the future, I can see me like carrying around a, you know, like a card with my, you know, computer on it and everything I'm making and plugging it in. I just, I, it's hard to imagine that future where it's not like your phone continuing to be the center of the universe, no. but no, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I mean, you know, these are all, a lot of these things are concepts. They are, are yeah. not necessarily going to make their way out, but you can think about the idea even if it's not normal computing, you can think of the idea that that's how they could get higher-powered computing into different types of objects. So you could think, you know, a a smart fridge, a smart washing machine, smart other things, because if they can get them low-powered enough and maybe they don't need the fastest processors or the latest stuff, you know, they could just build those types of machines that way. And and that way, I mean, it would be good for manufacturers because you wouldn't have to build a, a new fridge with a brand new embedded system every year. You could kind of keep yeah. the same design and just upgrade what, what compute card goes in it. So segueing into, I guess, smart household objects, I noticed there aren't really many on this list minus the TV, which I guess is kind of a household object. Did you see anything groundbreaking in terms of like smart fridges, other smart... Um, appliances at CES this year? I wouldn't say anything groundbreaking, but I would say a big trend, and I didn't even mention it because it was just kind of a given. Alexa was everywhere. Mm -hmm. So Alexa literally, I mean, Amazon is so far ahead of the the competition. You know, um, HomeKit, 
Apple system was there and and I saw and was pre-briefed on some HomeKit stuff. And to be honest, some of it was okay, but it, they're still playing catch up. Frankly, they're they're playing catch up with where SmartThings and 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 Z-Wave and and Zigbee and some of the other um, smart home um, uh, formats have been for a long time. And so it, it was hard to kind of get excited about you know a HomeKit enabled um, uh, security camera, uh, which is cool. Um, but you know when you've had these smart security cameras that have worked with these other platforms, whereas yeah. Alexa, you know, it's it's been um, I guess. Uh, two years now since um, the the Echo came out of uh, in in beta, and it's been such a huge product, you know, for for Amazon as it really has been. And, and I think this Christmas, I don't know if this was the case in you guys' uh, households or not, but I know that so many people in my family and extended family got either an Echo or an Echo Dot for Christmas. Um, Grant got one from his from his parents, uh, and and has just loved it, and, and has been having fun building his own skills and. And they gave a number of them, and and it, you know, Amazon said they had record sales of of um, mm-hmm. the um, Echo devices, and I think that this is, if anything, is going to kind of make the smart home real. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before, you know. We we talked about this, I guess, uh, to last show I was on. You know, it, it, there's the potential, obviously, with some of the privacy stuff, people are concerned about that. But if there's any one of these things that's going to kind of make the smart home happen, I think that the uh, Echo is is finally getting into enough people's houses that it's going to get people to adopt that stuff. So that's the and one. So that's the one. I mean, I, it, I don't think, I, mean, I I think it's too early to call it the winner, but they definitely have a huge lead. And you saw that at CES because the only Google Home thing we saw was actually from NVIDIA. The the, the new version of the NVIDIA Shield, the, the set-top box, um, has Google Home built into it. And so that's the first third-party device with Google, um, or not Google Home, Google Assistant, Google Assistant built into it. So that's the first third-party device that has Google Assistant built in. And so the new Shield will basically work just like Google Home. Um, it, you can use it with external mics uh, that you can kind of, you know, put up around your house and you can talk to it. And and that's very cool. But we saw like cars with Alexa. You saw refrigerators. You saw washing oh machines. You saw basically, you know, lights, hmm. anything you could think of. Like, like GE has a lamp that has Alexa built in, you know, speakers, other things. And so, Jeez. you know, because, um, and, and that's a really big deal because having all those compatible products is, is huge. But beyond that, you know, Amazon opened up Alexa to third parties. Uh, I guess it was like in March, I want to say, maybe it was April. Um, and so people, third parties have been building skills and have been building implementations um, above and beyond some of the official integrations they have with companies like you know like Uber and 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 Spotify and and Sonos and things like that, and so you can do a lot more because you know people can build their custom actions or other companies can say hey we're going to build our own custom action that'll work with Alexa, and so they're ahead of the game not just in terms of the hardware partners but also you know the software because so many developers are already building on top of their platform. What do you think their reason is for success? Because when I think, I've never met an Amazon uh, evangelist in my life, right? Like, <laughs> right? I've never been in an event and had someone go, you know, oh, Amazon, this is the tech you really want to work with. And when I think about like Lumberyard, I mean, Simone, I, forgive me if I'm wrong here, I've, I, Lumberyard really isn't taken off and Crisis is having, you know, some really serious problems. Like what, what it, why do you think they've won just having like a solid device first to market at a decent price point? I think it's that. I, yeah. I think solid device first to market. I also think that their API was good and was easy to use. And then I, huh. I would I would say, you know, Lumberyard, I think you're, you're granted. And I think you could also make the same argument about maybe their Android fork and, and that's, yep. you know, how, how well that's worked. But I would, I would say to counterpoint to that, AWS. 
Okay. Um, is, you know, their uh, Amazon web services and yeah, is, it's is been very successful, has been incredibly <laughs> successful is basically built the cloud computing thing that we know of and, and put, you know, Google and Oracle and Microsoft and, and everybody else on notice. Right. And so I think a lot of people already build stuff using Amazon stack, just using AWS and the Alexa skills from what I understand, just what little I've looked at it. And I'm not a, I'm not a coder. I, I, I know uh, enough logic to be dangerous and, and to sort of understand what's happening, but the, by no means, you know, a programmer or, or anything, but you look at it and it seems simple enough to, to use. And, you know, my husband is, and he was able to catch onto it very quickly and he, he was able to build skills for it very quickly and it's very hacker friendly. So so I think the combination of the two, I think having just the API first and foremost, like Google opened up Google Home, Google Assistant a little bit, um, but you know they're they're kind of but the the, no, the amount of hardware that supports this is limited. Whereas this has one of those things where a a lot of people already have them. It had a very good third party support that Amazon was consistently adding to, mm-hmm. and then they have a robust API that that they're continuing to make better and better. That's kind of built on the same back end stuff that people are like, well, I already use AWS, I already use S3, I already use some of these other, you know, tools, it's all kind of part of the same language. So I think I think that's why. And it seems like I mean, they've been working on Alexa refining. I Oh, God, it's only been two years. I just looked it up because I feel like Alexa's yeah. been around so much longer than no, it's two yeah, years. It, so long. It, was, it, was, it was January of, uh, of, of 2015. And it was beta. I think it was February, actually, that that we reviewed it. Um, Because I remember I I ordered mine. I had to go through the pre-order thing, you know, like through a beta thing, and because they weren't giving out review units. Mm -hmm. And and it really wasn't until that summer that they were shipping in large quantities. So it's really been a year and a half. Jeez, that's wild. Wow, that's ridiculous. I I have to ask you about the self-balancing motorcycle. (laughs) Because out of your post, this is the thing I was most excited about. So, you know, if if you ride a motorcycle, they are really heavy. Like my mm-hmm. bike is almost 700 pounds with all the you know mods I've done for it. And if you're stopped at a stoplight or even going really slowly, it puts a lot of weight on your leg, like trying to hold it up. And even at low speeds, like you're worried you might tip over. So you kind of stick your foot out so you can catch it. But if you get the wrong way, you're going to snap your right. ankle in half. So, I mean, did you actually see this? How much does this weigh? Like, what are the, what what all did you find out about this? Yeah, so I, I didn't write that story. Andrew uh, Lazusi um, uh, wrote it up. But from what I could tell and kind of looking at the demo that Honda had, you know, I mean, this is just, again, this is kind of a concept. There's no guarantee that it'll make it into a final product. But what we can say is that some of the writing assistant stuff they've done before has made it into their bikes. And so I think that there's a good potential, you know, that this will work. But basically, it doesn't use, um, it uses, uh, it it doesn't use, you only find uh, Andrew's post and and read from his because he was smart about it. It's like, um, it's like, it's based on technology developed for Honda's SMO robot and its self-balancing scooter called the Unicub. The Honda writing assist technology doesn't use traditional gyroscopes for balance since they can add a lot of weight to a vehicle. Instead, when the experimental motorcycle Honda has developed is moving at speeds of less than three miles an hour, like when it's pulling out of a garage or when it's stopping at a streetlight, the angle of the front fork is automatically lowered to help improve stability. And at the same time, minute left and right steering adjustments are automatically made um, to the front wheel to ensure the motorcycle always maintains its balance, even without a rider on it. 
That's really interesting. I like, like how it's oh. following this woman around like a puppy. That's my contribution yeah. to this particular well, <laughs> topic. <laughs> but it's cool though that they got it from their Asimo, um, you know, robots and from their from their Unicub stuff. And so, I mean, it's coming from from other other divisions of, of I Honda. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Honda is really good at bringing, like, more than any automotive company I know, they're really also bringing out you know this tech to high end products and taking it to the rest of the line. The entire reason I bought my motorcycle from Honda is because it has ABS on a motorcycle, which is amazing. Like, you know, if you're in rain, you want to actually be able to stop on a motorcycle. That was an important feature to me. So <laughs> I don't know. This looks just awesome. Like yeah. that is so hyper useful. You you have no idea. So Brie, so, if that comes to market, it. will you yes. bring your motorcycle into your home and just start treating it like a member of the family? <laughs> yes, yes, I will. I will. And, and will you video it and put it on Facebook for us or, or yes, Instagram or something? I will because, do that. And thank we'll you. name the motorcycle Robo Rocket. And I was uh, going to ask just, if it had yes. a name. Does it? Yes. It, is, it currently my does current not have motorcycle, a name. Cycle. Yes, it's Redline. Is my current okay? Motorcycle. But you'll change so the name once you get the I new. Will. Or you'll get I a new will. motorcycle. Obviously, well, they're not going to freaking well, put yeah, self balancing in your old motorcycle. I'm an idiot. Yeah, I don't- I don't think that would work. So, <laughs> I don't think so. So, Christina, the best part of CES coverage is always the worst of CES. <laughs> yes. That's my favorite part. Please lay some horror shows on me. Like, like tell uh-huh. me the, the stupidest stuff you've seen. Because I um, saw a lot oh, of stupid stuff oh, on Twitter. I have a question for you, Christina. Oh, but yes. Let's see so, what your, what's yes. okay, so, your first thing. Uh, the Withings uh, L'Oreal Smart Hairbrush. Dumbest thing oh. I saw. Yes. Oh. We talked uh, here's about the that thing. on a, yeah, we last did. week's show, but go on. Uh, it's we idiotic. Did. So here's the thing. And I blame... Um, <laughs> I blame um, Dyson, and and I blame Dyson because they made a great product. They made a four hundred dollar hair dryer that I want desperately. That I'm not going to spend four hundred dollars on uh, because it's a four hundred dollar hair dryer, but I really want it. And but they they made it, and everybody liked it, and that kind of proved that there is this market for these expensive beauty accessories. And so that includes a smart hairbrush, and the brush doesn't tell you about the health of your hair, which would be useful. Like it might tell you if you have split ends or whatever, but it's more about like, or tell you if your hair is too dry or brittle or whatever. It's more like if you're brushing too hard and I guess it's supposed to give you maybe some condition updates so that you can use different L'Oreal hair products. I don't know. All I know is that I, I ran, um, I mean, I brushed my hair with it. It wasn't working. It was just a prototype, but they claimed it was the real brush and it felt like a $20 brush. Oh Oh my gosh. Oh my god! I was very disappointed. I was very disappointed. So that's that's number one. I um the people at Polaroid are not happy with me. Oh. Why? Why? What happened? Um, well, I wrote a post called uh, "Polaroid's Tragic CES Booth is What Happened When a Brand Is What Happens When a Brand Dies." Oh no, <gasps> Christina! Oh, no, tell me everything. Oh my god, uh, this yeah. is going in the, show, in the notes. show notes. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it that that it was funny because uh, you you would link Simone to uh, we found the saddest booth at CES, which was very tragic. But the Polaroid booth was sad in a different way. It was filled to the gills with stuff. It had so much stuff. It was this humongous booth, and I went in and I was like looking around and i'm like huh um why does polaroid have drones why does polaroid have 3d printers why does polaroid have two-in-one android tablets running last year's software why does polaroid have vr headsets that also have the sharper image logo <laughs> you know and it's uh, they they also had something that they were showing off called uh, the the pop instant camera which looks cool it's a 20 megapixel uh, uh cameras uh that, that'll print out the real four by three polaroids it's gonna be 200 dollars, which to me seems a little bit expensive um and that's kind of the successor to the polaroid snap that was was 
pretty popular. And, and, and you know, I don't want to say that Polaroid makes crap because some of the stuff that they license their name to is good. Um, but what's happened is that, you know, the company that what Polaroid is basically known for is they kind of they're basically a licensing company now. And so they license their money, their, their name to everything. And so yeah. I walked around their booth and I took photos of like outdoor speakers and VR helmets and headphones. The VR and- helmet looks like a toaster. It really yeah. <laughs> does. It's just really bad. And, and, and a foldable tablet stand. I mean, just just crap on crap on crap. And so it's just it, to me, it was just kind of tragic that they had this humongous booth that's dedicated to you know, a brand that at one point meant a lot. And now I just feel like it's diluted. I don't know. Anyway, they, they were not happy with that. <laughs> really? Obviously. Shocker. Yeah. Sh- shocker. Yeah. No, they, they weren't thrilled. And, and I'm, I'm sorry about that. But at the same time, I mean, you know, I stand by what I said. Um, and in fact, I, I didn't even include video of they had um, like a, a, a toy train set with like a monkey uh, riding around <laughs> the middle of like a, a, a fake okay, tree. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I mean, that it was sounds... ridiculous and silly looking, and I didn't even include that in my post. At that point, I was just rolling my eyes too hard to even think. I was like, I'm not, I was like, I'm not even. That, if they sent you a concerned email, just reply with that photo of the monkey on the train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what we, what we also found, though, uh, so so in addition to that, uh, Mike, Michael Nunez and I, we were walking through the floor on, uh, I guess it's on Friday, and we were looking for the saddest booth at CES, because every year there's always one, and we found it, and it's... I have to think that the guy's stuff just didn't come. It had to be caught by customs or something. So you sort of feel bad. Um, but, you know, there was this big booth that was completely empty. And, and uh, we've got the link in the show notes. And you can see the photo. It's basically just like an empty booth with like stark walls where there's nothing up um, and um, a couple of uh, empty chairs. And then there was just a guy sitting in one of the chairs with a bunch of like iPads at his feet and then the corner of the photo, and this is the corner booth. We noticed this. I was walking by and I was like, Mike, I was like, it gets worse. It gets worse. He's like, what? I was like, look, look at that power cord. He was like, yeah. I was like, there's a, there's a canister of yogurt next to it. And so we <laughs> look over, Why? we, 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 we oh. look over and like, literally Brie, Brie, look at the, look in a, a Skype and, and, and look at these photos. Cause you have to see the tragedy that it was this booth. Um, and again, uh, you know, there was like complete with like a, a used like empty yogurt container just like in the corner of this empty booth. I mean, again, I have to think I have to feel bad for the guy because something had to have happened. Yeah, I, you don't you know, go to CES and not have a display no, with nothing. No, I have to think what, I it, have to so think what happened was his stuff was held up in customs. I just Googled the company and they're on a list of VR slash gaming related companies at 2017 CES. Um, I mean, along with a, a ton of other stuff. But um yeah. So, yeah, yeah, because they were kind of in the VR area. So I have to think what happened was that, like, their stuff was held up in customs. That's what I have to assume happened. Yeah. And, and that's oh very, God. very sad. Uh, that's very, very sad. And, and I'm obviously, like, you know, not poking fun of, of them per se. It's just that the imagery, you're walking around CES, you see all this stuff. And then, oh. you know... Yeah, that and poor Bree. guy. That's I know not we felt good, bad for him. We we this, felt bad for him. We like wanted yeah. to like buy him drinks. Um, we we felt really bad, but we were like looking around because we were seeing some stuff. We found this one booth that was that looked pretty sad, and and we sent a photo to our editor, and he was like, "Nope, keep looking." And then we walked by, and I turned to Mike, and I went, "Mike, there Mike, it we is. found it. Oh. Mike, here it is. Here it is." And yeah. Well, if this guy's staring at iPads on the floor, uh, if if he wants to write the show, we will give you a rocket T-shirt next yes, time okay, we completely. make some, just yeah. to say, yeah, we feel you. We've we all feel been you. There. We've all, we've all <laughs> had sorry. bad days. We've yeah. definitely all had bad days. Bad weeks. So, so, so bad several days some, in a row. 
so some of the stuff I saw from CES, it was just, oh my God, so bad. And I wasn't there. But again, I want you to imagine a Donald Trump Make America Great Again hat. Yeah, I want for so red like that. And then imagine like a solar panel built into the bill to power your gadgets. That was, oh my God. That was one of them. It was a solar oh, that's so hat. good. That's yeah. so good. Uh, there was another one. There was a, <laughs> it was a cup. It was just a cup that like measured all your fitness and drinking goals. It just no. measured all the water that you drank. It was just a smart cup. No. And that was the entire uh, product. And I think the best one was a pair of underwear for dudes that protected uh, your junk. Oh, the radioactive underwear kinds- or yes. the radioactive protection yes. underwear. Yes, and it had like micro like antimicrobial technology <laughs> built into it, as well as anti radiation stuff. So I just <laughs> feel like this is the future, and I just don't even know how it can get more wonderful for me. There's here. just, I, I mean, I, I know CES, like a, a part of the point of CES is just to like go show off these funky prototypes and ha- have mm-hmm. fun with it. But oh my God, smart. The, the litany of smart devices at some point oh, just yeah. must stop. It must stop. A smart freaking cup? Leave me alone. <laughs> it ties into your, like, fitness watch smoke. Yeah, I'm oh, sure it'll talk to your Apple Watch and tell you how much water you've had every day. very God. important. Yeah. Give me a smart candle and I can burn my house down. This episode of Rocket <laughs> is brought to you by Ministry of Supply, which makes shirts that are smart. But they're not smart shirts. They're just regular shirts that are just super smart. So you probably know what it's like to wear incredibly uncomfortable clothes for 40 hours a week. You go to your fulfilling office job, but there you are forced by society to wear uncomfortable clothes that constrict you. They don't let you breathe. They don't let your skin be free and happy. Well, let me tell you, Ministry of Supply fixes that. They make performance clothes for your modern day workplace that look professional, make you feel professional, but they also let you breathe. They don't pinch you in weird, awful ways when you sit. They're just comfortable clothes that also happen to to be your adult human costume that will make people (laughs) respect you. So that's a pretty cool thing. They have tailored designs for men and women. Wear them to work, wear them home. You won't immediately want to rip them off when you come in the door, which is a triumph there i i personally got to wear i have a um, a pair of pants from ministry of supply and a shirt as well i'd like to amend something last week i was talking about the pants i did not mention that these women's work pants have pockets i oh, forgot wow i should have said that right up front that should have been like the beginning of everything that i told you was <laughs> women's pants with pockets women's What's pants with pockets and the lining of the pocket was actually really soft i literally you should have seen my face i wish i had been filmed when i discovered the pocket but it was it was a joyous moment put my phone in there it, it, there wasn't even like a weird huge bulge it was a normal freaking pocket in a pair of women's pants so that's what you need to know about that. Um, I, I like the shirt quite a lot. So the women's shirt uh, the, that I have is called the Easier Than Silk shirt. And it just, it feels really soft and really drapey. Um, I love the way that it fit my arms. Like it wasn't too long or too short. And it didn't squeeze my wrists in weird tight ways. It was very cozy. And if the men's shirt is anything like that, um, they have a, a shirt called the 
future forward dress shirt, which apparently has NASA invented fibers that regulate what? body temperature. So, okay, I said it wasn't like a smart shirt, but as you can see, it is a smart shirt. I'm just going to keep repeating that. Um, hmm. So, yeah, and they, they come in, you know, your respectable colors, your blues, your your whites. I'm actually going to go to the website right now. Um, and you can go to Ministry of Supply dot com and also check out these clothes as well and um if you go to ministries of supply.com slash rockets uh you can get free shipping free returns and a hundred day no questions asked return policy for your orders and a free pair of moisture wicking smarter dress socks which at this Ooh. point of the season is just are needed incredible uh, yeah, I'm experiencing my first New York winter right now, and it it is a time. So the Future mm. 4 dress shirt uh, for men comes in white and a variety of lovely blues that I actually really like. So I got my shirt in a, a nice dark blue, but there was also a gray sort of heather color and a black color. Um, yeah, just you, you walk into the office in these clothes and people will be like, yo, what up? You look like a responsible adult who I should trust and uh, and respect. <sighs> And so that that's that's pretty much I think that's what that's what we all want in life. So again, go to ministryofsupply.com slash rocket, learn more about these sick, respectable adult clothes, and get some free socks with your purchase. <laughs> I want socks. They you have socks. You got socks. I want right? socks. That's the, that's, that should be the episode title. I want socks. <laughs> I want socks. socks. Love it. Not in my uh, apartment right now because it's very hot. But in that har- that horrible cold outside place, I need the socks. Anyway, <laughs> any CES wrap up, or should we move on to? No, I think we can move on. Oh, actually, the only th- one thing I would say this was cool. Last year at CES, Kodak showed off this uh, concept, uh, and it turned out to kind of be vaporware of a analog of a brand new update to an analog um, Super Eight millimeter film camera. Oh, I and remember so, that. Yeah, and and so. It was supposed to be super cool, and like they were like, "Oh, it'll be out this spring. Oh, it'll be out this fall. Oh, it never came out." And so I stopped by their booth to like give them crap and be like, "You lied to us. Where is this thing? It's never going to come out. It's vaporware, isn't it?" And then I get to the booth, and they actually had a working version, and oh. uh, it looks awesome. It's going to be way more expensive than they said it was going to be. Like last year, they were like, "Oh, between four hundred and seven hundred dollars." Now they're like, oh, the limited edition will be $3,000 or no, $2,000 and we'll have another version which will be cheaper, um, but not that much cheaper. So it'll be expensive, but man, does it look awesome. Nice. I mean, the idea is basically you you can record Super 8 film, the analog, just like you would otherwise, but it has um, a digital viewfinder. Um, it has an SD card slot if you want to connect an external microphone. You can set, you know, your speeds and things like that. And then what will happen is when you get your film developed, you send it to Kodak to develop, they'll give it back to you in a format that you can edit in your, you know, favorite NLE. So you can oh edit it in, in Premiere or Final Cut or whatever. And so it's very cool. I mean, it's 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 you know, uh, something that some certain filmmakers are going to really like. They also brought back the Ektachrome uh, film. And so um, it's, it's a good time for analog film lovers. There's just something about that feel. It's just magical when you see something made with that. I just, yeah. oh, oh, it just, it, it's so weird that so many of the, the aesthetic things, it just, you know, they hit your senses and they hit your mind. It's just this remnants of deficiencies in past technology, but it's somehow magical. Yeah, totally. that's a great way yeah. to kind of marry the old and the new together. 
Oh. Uh, speaking of the old, the iPhone <laughs> turns segue. 10 this year. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And so Gizmodo had a write-up uh, of where y'all were during the keynote. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't remember personally, but I'd love to hear where each of you were. Yeah, so I was watching live vlogs. I, I, I watched the keynote. I think they put like the stream up like later that day, but they didn't actually live stream it back then. But I remember like skipping class to watch the blogs and you know, like in Gadget and Gizmodo and places like that. And um, and then like a few hours later, they put up a stream on their website. And like I remember watching it in quick time and like seeing my first <laughs> glimpse of the iPhone. But I totally skipped class. I was supposed to be in class. Wow. It was the first week of classes in college. And I was like, screw that. Really? I'm watching. The- oh, yeah. I was like, screw that. I'm watching the iPhone launch. Oh, my God. I remember for me, uh, God, I was I was at work, and this was one of my first jobs out of college, and I had this uh, a co-worker that I was working with, and she was the biggest Apple fan on the planet. And I worked with Apple stuff a little bit uh, you know, before OS X with my first startup. Like, I think this was back with OS IX. Uh, and yeah, like the Bondi Blue G3s, if you remember yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I just, I mean, I liked it. I just wasn't super, super into it. And she's like, I'll breathe. Brie, you've got to watch this. You've got to watch this. You've got to listen to it. And like, we're sitting there in chat. And as Steve Jobs is like coming through and like announcing every bit of it, like she is so excited. Mm-hmm. And I'm like seeing this glimpse of where the future is going. And I think about this moment all the time because it's it's the moment that got me really really excited about Apple. Like, you know, back then we all had iPods. Everybody had an iPod. Yeah. You, you really loved your iPod. You would show it to friends. You'd be like, I have the best iPod because of like your <laughs> selection of music on it. Right. But this, it just, I was like, I was like, oh my God. It's like, it was like the end of, you know, 2001, a space odyssey. <laughs> They're just, you know, Bowman's flying through space and all these colors are coming out. That's how I felt. It was just amazing. Yeah, I remember looking like afterwards, like looking at my Motorola Razor that I loved. I loved that phone. I remember looking at it in disgust. I mean, like, disgust me. You do not do anything. Where is your big, beautiful touchscreen? And I remember thinking back to my, my, my Palm Trio and being like, you're terrible. Your touchscreen requires a stylus and you're hard to use and your web browser is terrible. Like, you know, it was one of those things where I was like a broke college student. I was like, how am I ever going to afford this five hundred dollar phone, phone. Yeah. and I couldn't actually. I, I, you know, uh, the the uh, you know it, it it took me you know uh, another year and a half or so to actually be able to buy um, an iPhone. Um, I had an iPod Touch, but I, I it took me a while to actually be able to buy the iPhone because it wasn't just the price of the phone; it was also the price of the service plan. Yeah, and uh, yeah. you know, back in those days, I couldn't do that. But it was, yeah, I just. You know, I remember just seeing it and just being kind of agog. I was one of those things where I wanted to hate it. I wanted to be like, no, this isn't going to work, and this is this is going to be overhyped, and and you know, um, I'm happy with what I have, and and these other people, you know, BlackBerry and 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 Palm are doing cool things, and nobody needs this. But then I remember just seeing it, being like, ah, oh, damn, no, this is this is it. Did this you have the sense then that like history was in the making right there? You know, I. I kind of did. It was one of those things where I didn't have any concept that it would be as big as it was. I think yeah. that I knew it was going to be successful. And yeah, like this I'll is say, the real deal. Yeah, but I didn't have any sense that this was going to literally change everything. It was mm-hmm. one of those things where, because even Apple was very conservative. They were like, if we can sell a million of these things, if we can get 10% 
of the market would be happy. You know, like they were like very, very stayed. They were not in any way because they were just on one carrier, you know, and it was an expensive phone. It was $500 and that was with a contract. So it wasn't like an, un, it wasn't, that was like not buying it kind of outright. You know what I mean? Like you had to be on a two-year contract and you had to, um, t- to get this phone and, and, and you couldn't, it didn't have 3G, which wasn't a huge deal. Um, they, like they didn't address that during the announcement, but it, I think the, the details came out. That wasn't a huge deal then, but it obviously became kind of a bigger deal as people started to use it out and about. Um, and it didn't do like, you know, MMS messaging and, and it didn't do video recording. And, and there were phones like Nokia was making phones that frankly were on paper better. Um, but they didn't have that user interface and mm-hmm. and and that was the big thing you know other people were doing touch screens but not the way apple was they didn't have the capacitive and uh yeah it's just i mean the camera was crappy too that oh, yeah. got a lot of blowback and i think people like don't remember this but like when it came out steve ballmer kind of famously said it was going to fail yes and for a while there it was it wasn't that it was failing, but you know, Apple did have to bring the price down. Yes, they can, did. Can you help me remember? Was it by two, three hundred dollars? It was like two hundred dollars. Yeah, two hundred dollars. So, yeah, after it came out, wow. they had to adjust the price. Just they had to and adjust then the they price. had to write letters and give credit to all the people they had bought they it. Had, the they had to refund price. people. It was sort yeah. of annoying because if you, what they did, they did two things. One, they originally sold it in a four gigabyte and an eight gigabyte um, size, and <laughs> in in in, in um, yeah, the in the four gigabyte size. I think was was four hundred dollars or five hundred dollars, and the eight gigabyte size was like six hundred dollars or something. Jeez. And then I think they ended it was up eight hundred, or am I remembering? I think wrong? you're I think you're remembering wrong. But but it was but it was but it was expensive. And then they ended up dropping the price by like one or two hundred dollars. I don't remember the exact thing now. And they got rid of the four gigabyte model. Um, and then they ended up adding a sixteen gigabyte model later on. But what they did is, you know, they lowered the price. This was like August. Like a phone came out in July or not, like the end of like the very end of June. And then like by like the end of August, they dropped the price a couple hundred dollars. And people who'd already bought the phone were pissed. And so Apple was like, "Well, here's a here we'll give you half the half the amount that you paid in iTunes credit." So. Wow. It was better than nothing, but I remember because I I just started you know writing for the unofficial Apple weblog, and I remember like people were pissed. They were <laughs> pissed, but and and I think that that was an interesting price crash. And I think Apple kind of realized, you know, one ninety nine, two ninety nine was their sweet spot, and that's what they wound up moving it to, going with a three G, you know, um, on contract. You know, it was it was like one ninety nine for the. You know, eight gigabyte or whatever, two ninety nine for the um, sixteen gigabyte, and 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 I, I think eventually they ended up you know having the three ninety nine model too but they, they ended up that they kind of realized that two hundred dollar point two hundred three hundred dollar point was was the 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 sweet spot but yeah i you're right that 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 price discrepancy that was kind of a big deal um people were pissed about it you know and people um i remember uh, i justine how she got famous was that she got her her bill from at&t and it was printed out and it was like 300 pages because there was some sort of weird setting and like they literally had like every website like like it was not every specific website she visited but like all of her data usage and whatnot was um the way that it was expressed was it like it was like a th- it was like she got this box in the mail and it was her AT&T bill <laughs> and it was like every like megabyte of data or whatever you know was was uh was accounted for in this long form and it was insane I'm dropping that I original think, video in the show notes by the way I think that was the last time I thought of I Justine <laughs> so, <laughs> so so I have to ask you what was your first iPhone that you got or smartphone? it was the five C because I, I I did not oh, have a smartphone really? wow. um, all through I think I I had um. 
I did have a razor at one point, and then I had shoot, I honestly can't remember what it's called, but it was one of those the slutty ones that was like all the rage. I remember specifically I had one friend in high school. So I I lived in a very small town. I had one friend in high school who had a cell phone that had data on it. And that was very impressive. We are all like amazed that she had data on her cell phone. Um, And then obviously in college, I I just couldn't afford one. So the 5C was the first one that I got. And I, I got it partially because, I mean, of that, of the, I guess, cachet of yeah. the iPhone itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and because of that, that, I guess, iconic interface that even, you know, in that original phone, you can see the, that it is the foundation that's still, yeah. if you it's squint, still, yeah. if you squint, it's still an iPhone, you know, oh, well, uh, same the- one. P- I mean, pinch to zoom. I think it's impossible to understate how huge yeah. that was. And and yeah. I mean, you know what they were what they were so smart with their ads. Um, you know, um, they shows off so much stuff during that keynote. Steve Jobs. It was you know his his best presentation ever. I think, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. he showed off so much stuff. But when the phone came out six months later, they ran these series of ads that showed you how to use the phone. <laughs> and they showed they showed pinch to zoom. They showed the gestures. And once you saw it, it was one of those things. I remember, you know, seeing the commercials before I ever touched the phone and then going to an AT&T store or an Apple store or whatever and, and playing with it for the first time and immediately knowing how to do it just because of the ad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that that's two things, right? That's one um, that's, you know, masterful advertising. Uh, but number two, I think that's just natural uh, user interface. Mm hmm. So I have to tell you, Christina, it was fake Christina Warren, my fake Christina Warren, my friend that uh, she's an engineer at Apple. And we were really good friends. And, uh, you know, like I was flying back and forth to California all the time. She actually uh, got me the original iPhone as a present. Uh, I think it was for my birthday present. And, you know, from there, she got me so... Like she, she could tell that I had, um, that I had a lot of potential to like work with Apple engineering stuff. So, like, she got me books on OpenGL and she's like, she gave me a Mac that year, like, cause she had all this Apple stuff being an Apple engineer, right? Yeah. And I just, it's so weird because I think back to that phone and her getting me this one gift for, I think it was like a present, uh, a birthday present or something. And like, it just literally set my entire career on motion because it That's was amazing. From there, it was my first development job. Yeah, from there it was like, you know, launching my own studio and you know, so yeah. Thank you, fake Christina Warren. Yeah, no, that. thank, thank yeah. you, fake Christina Warren for Sounds sure. Like well, both yeah. of them have been pretty important to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it's funny for me, um, I wouldn't say that the iPhone specifically was what got me writing about tech, but it was one of those things where I'd I'd been writing about music and kind of pop culture and I saw that there was an open position for the unofficial Apple weblog when I was just starting to, to like leave school and I was just trying to kind of find a, more writing um, things to do. And that was like in, in August or September of, of 2007 and reaching out to them and being like, yeah, I could do this. And part of my, I didn't have an iPhone then, but I knew it was huge. Part of my, I guess, pull was I was like, I was starting to get really into Apple stuff. And I was like, I think this is going to be really big. I think that if I'm going to write about something and get into this blogging world, this is a topic that I already I care about this brand and I know about its stuff, but I also had kind of an instinct. I was like, this is going to be important. Mm-hmm. And it Amazing. was, and it is. And it okay. was, yeah. What do we think, 
Where, where, where now? It's been uh, 10 Nintendo years. Switch? We have oh, a lot to sorry. look forward to. No, I mean, with the iPhone. Oh, no, the but we're now with the iPhone. Yeah. It's going to be a big year for them at um, their events, I, I'm sure. I do but- think it's worth thinking about. You know, I've talked about this on the show before, but every era of technology on average lasts about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mainframe era lasted about 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, the PC era lasted about 20 years. Um, and you know, now we're 10 years into mobile. Um, I do, I've come to the, con- to the conclusion that VR is never going to be as big as I hoped it would be. Uh, I just don't think it's there. I think AR may be it, but I think mm-hmm. it's kind of worth asking ourselves, like, what's going to be next? Because mm-hmm. we're not going to be surfing on our phones forever. So, uh, yeah, Apple, you're you're halfway through maybe your life cycle <laughs> so far. Now, so, Apple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that'll be what's so interesting to see. And and. I know that Apple is, historically is not a very reflective company. Like they try to look forward, but I do expect, especially at the iPhone launch this year, um, them to reflect back, you know, on ten years of the iPhone because it's been such an iconic product and such an important product. But I think you're right, Bree, because I I don't know. I wish that I I'm not a futurist. I wish that I was. I wish I could predict the future. But I think to see whatever this next wave of interfaces and 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 you know platforms are will be really telling. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's voice, whether it's AR, whether it's you know, something else. But you're right, you know, we're now halfway through this era. And even though so much has changed, if you look back to that original, you know, presentation that Steve Jobs gave, you can see the glimpses of all of it. I mean, it's, it's really, I think it's important for people to remember that the iPhone didn't have an app store for its first year of life. You know, yeah. they didn't introduce the the SDK. I mean, people jailbroke and, and wrote apps, but they didn't have an SDK until um, uh, March of, of 2008. And, and the apps were didn't launch until June of 2008, or, or I think it was July. I think it was July 3rd, 2008. Um, and so that first year, you know, it's all based on people doing stuff on the web and it, because it just wasn't ready. And yet, people were so excited by the platform that people like Craig Hockenberry and others like literally jailbroke the phones and like <laughs> wrote their found their own way to write software and games for it. And I think that that's how you knew it was going to be huge. That was how I knew, you know, I was trying to, you know, kind of make my way into kind of the writing world. And I was like, if I, if I'm going to write out something like why I thought like Apple and not, you know, because if I was writing about tech at the time, obviously Apple was hot, but they were not as big as they are now. You know, mm-hmm. Microsoft was much bigger and things like that. And and but I was looking at it, I was like, if people care so much about this phone, there's the to demand. literally find a way to make apps for it when none exist, when there's no actual way to program for it, and people are still going out of their way to break the phone, even to to reverse engineer the software. Like you know that that has that potential, and so. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the next thing is that has that same hunger. Cause I, I think that that's what it'll need, you know? Yeah. Definitely. You know, it has hunger. Brianna <laughs> Wu, when she's cooking dinner yes. from her blue apron order of the week, this episode yeah. of rocket is brought to you by blue apron. Whose mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Everyone, while also supporting a more sustainable food system, which is really important because our entire planet is falling apart, and setting high (laughs) standards for ingredients, and of course, building and educating a community of home chefs, of which we have one right on this show. I am a good cook now. I'm a really good cook. When I met you, I looked at you and I thought, this, this she'll never come to anything. This woman can't yeah. cook a meal. <laughs> Worthless to me. Oh, that's me. <laughs> but that's now you've me. changed. Yeah. You've reformed. I I tell you. So let me tell you. Blue Apron. Every week, if there is an option for Korean food, get it. 
Because that's going to be your best meal for the week. Like if you're doing bok choy or rice cakes or whatever, it is, oh my God, I made something uh, last night from my menu. It was like this, uh, it just had like this soy glaze in it and rice cakes and, uh, oh, what was I the meat I think it, it I might forget. be, uh, was it spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage? That was it. Oh my God. It was so good. It was so unbelievably good. That yeah, I love Belia sounds Bur- like my jam. So if that's if that yeah. recipe sounded good to you, you can choose from things like that or mushrooms and chipotle pepper enchiladas with lime sour cream, which actually sounds really incredible and I'm kind of really hungry now. Uh, Thai chicken noodle soup with yellow curry paste and mushrooms. They have all kinds of a variety of options for you to choose from and you can customize your order to fit i guess what your what your lifestyle is and what your cooking needs are if you don't need to get a meal every single day of the week you just want to like have that maybe prepare it for your busiest days of the week so you have like a nice thing to bring to work for lunch or something that you can cook that's Right there when you get home from work for the day, Blue Apron is awesome for that. For less than $10 a meal, they deliver seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make these wonderful home-cooked meals. So if those things that I just read to you sound great, you better hop on this because it's seasonal and the seasons are always changing. Each meal comes with a step-by-step beautifully printed recipe card. So... No worrying about, like, portions, even, like, what spices you have, because they send you everything. You won't be making last-minute, desperate, sobbing trips to the grocery store to get, like, the one item that you're missing. No, it's all going to be right there. You won't have to worry about planning, which is great, because that takes a load off. Not planning, letting someone else plan for you. Letting Blue Apron Pack your ingredients and plan things for you. So you just have to follow a recipe, have a delicious home-cooked meal that you can share or not share. I wouldn't (laughs) share. I don't share food. I would eat all of the Blue Aprons. Every single one. Anyway, and of course, you can customize your recipes each week based on dietary preferences. Say if you're a vegetarian or you can't eat that delicious spicy shrimp that Brianna likes so much, you don't have to get the spicy shrimp. No spicy shrimp for you. That's fine. And you can also choose delivery options that fit your needs. I know my roommate was getting Blue Apron before she left me, and uh, we just got it delivered to the door, and we picked it up when we got home from work. But that's, you know, you do, you do, you do you. You do you. And there's no weekly commitment, so you just get deliveries when you want them. You know you have a busy week coming up. Make sure you've got that food ready to go. And like I said, they support a more sustainable food system, which is a person who took one food class in college and is very concerned about the lives of chickens. I care deeply about sustainable food systems because we're destroying the planet. And um, But... You know, anyone who supports that and supports fixing the the food system that we have now is awesome in my book. And Blue Apron supports artisanal suppliers and family-run farms and fisheries and ranchers. And that is pretty darn cool. So you can check out this week's menu and get three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash rocket. Challenge Brianna Wu to a cooking competition. Oh, you're going to lose. You will. Yeah, you might lose. (laughs) But, you know, stick with it a while. Practice and you might end up in the big leagues like she is. So, again, that's blueapron.com slash rocket. Thank you so much, Blue Apron, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. FM. How do I speak? FM. (laughs) FM. Thank you for that wonderful impression of me. 
Tomorrow is the Nintendo Switch event. It's so late at night in New York. It's 11 p.m. Are you going to go to the thing on Friday? Uh, I'm not going to the thing. I'm covering the the stream, and then we have three other people going to the, or not three, two. And then we're no, no, no. I'll tell you what you do, Simone. You just you uh, you put some Benadryl in like Ben Cachero's water bottle, <laughs> and then you just you just sneak in there and you you impersonate Ben Cachero and walk he in the door. He lives in that Ohio. Way. He's not even going. Oh, does he? Is he is he not in your office? No, oh my God. I miss oh, him. I, I wish that he were here, but he's not. Oh. Well, you're going to find someone else to impersonate that's, them, but you got to go. But I, what if I go. can only yeah. do a Ben Cachero impression? <laughs> Bree, I mean, you've seen through my, my weakness. You've cut right deep to the heart of my problems. Oh, I can only do oh. one impression, and it's Ben Cachero. No one else will believe if I go in talking like Russ Frustick or Leg or Frank, they'll be like, get out of here, you faker. Yeah, yeah that wouldn't work. I just Is don't it, know so, why so, you would so, work at Polygon. Yeah, that true. She is definitely going to the event. So uh, uh, good. Chelsea will be there. I had a feeling. But yeah, just just uh, get there before her and check yeah. in as Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> Punch out my managing editor. <laughs> uh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll be at the event. I'll be watching like you will. I won't be working, but I'll be watching on, uh, mm-hmm. on Thursday night because it is very late. Oh. And then I'll be there bright and early on Friday morning. Oh, nice. On. Oh, so you'll def we'll hopefully both be able to talk about it in depth yeah. next week. But so things there are a lot of things that we do not know that will be revealed tomorrow. Among them, pr- things like price and release date, uh, confirmations about accessories, and I I think so. We know um, that or reports have claimed basically that the switch will support 1080p when it's attached to a TV and 720p right, 720 when it's in its mobile. Yeah, when it's mobile. So that's well, something yeah. that'll be confirmed tomorrow as well for sure. Um and then games. We'll know a lot more about what games will be on it at launch, uh what kind of bundles it'll have. I mean, the rumor reporting with this really strikes me. Uh, it's very similar to Apple rumor reporting. Mm-hmm. Like, I love my friend, Laura Kate. I love her. But, you know, like she's going into Nintendo patents and writing stories about it. And I'm like, oh, I wish she wouldn't do that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, some of the stuff like 1080p, it's believable. Another one, like, it moves into a higher graphic mode when it's plugged in uh, yeah. to a dock. That makes sense. You know, like, when you have power and a better ability to cool of course you can you know run things harder that makes sense uh a rumor that's come out that makes a lot of sense is that they've pretty much got a uh you know uh, a mario 3d game ready to go you know the the basics of the engine of a modern mario game you know it started in the mario galaxy series on the wii uh then you know super mario uh world like what was on 3ds i forget the name of it and then super mario 3d world on wii u which i believe is probably the finest video game of that last era it was just amazing and you know we're hearing rumors from people with a a solid track record that they've got a mario game completely ready to go uh that's good splatoon i believe is the best uh new nintendo ip in a Mm -hmm. generation it's really good that said, you know, the Wii U game has a lot of problems. Uh, the maps got repetitive super, um, super soon, you know, uh, using the Wii U gamepad to like launch yourself onto parts of the map. That wasn't great. So, you know, these rumors that there's going to be like a Splatoon reloaded game uh, to go with the Switch, 
that's worth buying one for me. I mean, that's just a no brainer. Mm -hmm. Um, We're also hearing rumors that there's going to be a new Mario Kart game, which seems really soon. Mario Kart 8 is amazing, but it it feels like it just came out, you know? It does. I think because it wasn't, no, I mean, it was two years, but it feels like, wow. I I think there were so few good Wii U games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was like the one where everybody was like, oh, I'll get the Wii U bundle. To yeah, buy yeah, to, to play yeah. Mario Kart, you know, and but yeah, so I mean, I think there's that. Um, there are lots of rumors, I don't know if it'll be ready at launch or not, but of, of a new Smash game, yes, you know, and and given the huge popularity in 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 uh, you know, of, of original Smash for, for uh, GameCube, I mean, I think if they could bring that as close as possible on like virtual console, yeah, you know, Super I mean, Smash, they could have 4? a new one, the virtual yeah. console is one of those things that. For the love of God, they had better. It had better yeah. be on the Switch, but it's not confirmed yet, and that's something right. that's making people nervous. Because if there, there, there are a lot of, I guess, l- ways in which Nintendo lags behind Sony and Microsoft, and display power has always been one of them. But like this will be, I mean, 1080p is fine as long as it totally. runs these Nintendo games. I think it'll be fine. It doesn't need to be freaking HDR 4K compatible like the Xbox One. Uh, it just eats. Although technically they could, the NVIDIA chip they're using could That's do HDR. That's true. That's true. And that would be the bomb. That would that would be very, very interesting for Nintendo to do that. I can't I, I quite- think I would say this about Smash, though. Like, Super Smash 4, the competitive scene, like, Smash is not a normal game, right? Like, right. it comes out and people really plumb every bit of that. Uh, one of the really interesting things about the last Smash game is, you know, even though the 3DS architecture is entirely different than the Wii U, uh, you know, they did a retopology pass on all the characters, and the engine is pretty much the same between the two. So I don't expect them to go to Super Smash 5 this soon. I just, okay. I think the community just wouldn't stand for it. I do think they will... Um, you make like a reloaded version of it that's just upgraded. You know, the DLC packs are really expensive. You spend $60 for Smash and then you're spending another 65 on, you know, getting Bayonetta and Cloud and all the stages. So I I just don't see them redoing Smash this soon since DLC like mm-hmm. that just came out. Where, that's like, true. People are still figuring out how to play Bayonetta. Like she's <laughs> she's pretty new. Um, so yeah, that would be my yeah. Guess it seems on like that. that game is still very much alive on its yeah. in its current home. That's true. Yeah. And then, but yeah. there's Zelda. I mean, that I think yeah uh, seems confirmed. Yeah, uh, you very know, much. They, 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 they've been they've been leaking that you know for a while. Um, so that that'll be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How, how do you guys think? I mean, go on. Tell us more, Simone, about what we don't I mean. Virtual console is obviously one of those uh, things. The we don't online know about. system is something that is. Also, as of yet unconfirmed, just what what the system will be like and what whether they will still use friend codes rather than any kind of freaking normal way of finding and listing your friends. And that's one of the things that maybe it's not a deal breaker, but if they do not change their online system of friending people, it is BS and they it's far past the time when they should have caught up with everyone else like. I again the fact that in like Super Mario Run, which is now out on iPhone, you yep. have to, you have a freaking friend code to find people. It's 2017. 
So that's it's that's, like it's like just build in Facebook integration. If you don't want to do what everybody else did, if you don't want to do what Xbox literally did 15 years ago, yeah, just just build in Facebook integration or something. Mm-hmm. I I do have to say though, like you know, when you play Nintendo games online, it's the one experience where no one tells you they're going to rape you. Like that's true. Yeah, that's true. Like, it's 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 to it's, actually yeah. find your real not a, not I'm not talking about like a, an open forum or something or an open messaging system, but like a username. Where I can say, yeah. "Hey, I'm Doom Quasar here. Look me up." Rather than I'm number here's a string of digits that is meaningless to you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I think yeah. that's fair. And I, achievements I, and things like that, like being able to see people's achievements and associated with their username. I think there's there's got to be a smarter way with it. And you know, John Syracuse uh, had a really good point that I I heard this and I loved it. You know, he was talking about how Nintendo's Nintendo's still the best in the business when it comes to core game mechanics. Like Super Mario Run yeah. is my favorite game on iPhone by a mile. Um, but you know, when it comes to the UI and like network stuff around it, it's a disaster. Go look at Mario Kart 8 and the UI for like changing out cart parts. It's horrible. <laughs> and the online experience with Smash is horrible. So, you know, I, I do think that's somewhere where they could really, uh, you know, step up their game. Faux show. So I get, I think we're all pretty excited about this console. I can't think of anything that to me would be a massive deal breaker, even though there's still so much stuff that's kind of left up in the air. Totally. Like they would have to screw up massively. But of course, because it's Nintendo, they could very much still they, do they that. Could. We could have that's another thing, right? Wii U situation <laughs> on our hands where that was a system I mean, that just nobody understood it and nobody really wanted to buy it. And I know the reaction that I saw to the first Nintendo Switch trailer was quite positive. But do you think that the wider market will understand what the product is and want to buy it? I think it depends on price. Mm -hmm. I think that Wii U had a number of problems. I think the first and foremost was that it was late. It was years later than it should have been. Like, frankly, rather than the Wii U, what they did with that, that trying to do the second screen gaming thing, which never really took off and and, and which was kind of a disaster and and added overhead and and all kinds of other stuff, they should have just released an HD version of the Wii. If they'd done that, you know, um, a, a couple years before the Wii U came out, they could have, I think, bought themselves some time. So I think... You know, you you do kind of have that risk, though, because you look at how the Switch works and the Switch aspect, and it'll dock, and it can also be portable, and people can play with it and all that stuff. It's very cool. It makes for a great demo video. I don't know how useful it'll be, but I think that the price will be one thing. So, you know, the rumors, some of the early reports, you know, the 250 to $300 range, that seems right. If they can get that, I think that'll be okay. But I also think like, how easy is it going to go? How easy is it going to be to go from one mode to the other? Mm-hmm. And if, if they make that overly complex, I think that that is a problem. But I do think that they have the potential, you know, with the portable mode and stuff like that, you know, to, you know, the, the 3DS, uh, the 3D um, SXL, you know, it's, it's been a while. And, and, and so they've needed a new handheld and this potentially, I mean, we don't know if this is going to be the case or not, but I mean, they could have the potential to kind of kill two birds with one stone where you can get, you know, your, your console, you know, for the home, you know, for, for all your core, you know, um, Nintendo games that you want to play, um, in your living room, but also have 
a cool system you can carry around with you in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I think you're you're dead on, Christina, about that. And the Wii U was like as someone that really loves her Wii U, the the ability to play games while you know the family is doing something on the TV is can't be overstated. That's mm-hmm. an awesome use case. It seems like they're going through. They're getting. Um, they're getting a lot of third parties to step up this time. And yeah, yeah, I'm seeing them do that. You know, the last great, uh, like, tell me if you've even ever heard of this, Christina, uh, Tokyo Mirage session. Have you ever even heard of that game? See, this is the last great third party game to come out on Wii U. And like, People just don't know about it. It was one of Phil Kohler's favorite so games of the year. And I was, was like, really what? Good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well that like, becomes kind of a huge, but I mean, you even say this and you're saying third party game and I'm like, third, there were third party Wii games. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, I mean, exactly. other than Splatoon and a couple of others, I mean, it really was kind of non-existent. Um, how important do you think that's going to be long-term for, for the Switch's success? Because I don't know how much it matters but I mean, it certainly doesn't. It certainly would help if they have their third party stuff. But I, I, but I almost think feel like at this point, a lot of people are going to buy a Nintendo console for the Nintendo properties. I think that depends on price too, because if it is, if it ends up being closer in price to the other consoles, you'll want. I th- people will want. I think that value of having games on it that aren't just Nintendo games. Um, sure, but I think. I get, I get our, our sort of running theory is that they're testing the waters here in terms of how the Switch will do versus the 3DS, and that if all goes well, then we could see this sort of start to assume a larger role as being a handheld and a, um, a attached console. <laughs> what, what's the phrasing for that? But yeah, but I, yeah, I think... I, I do. Th- people obviously get very excited about Nintendo consoles just because they want those sick Nintendo games that up until this year were not available anywhere else. So um, I, I think that in terms of it being a Nintendo console, it, it will do well, even if it just has Nintendo games, as long as it's not outrageously expensive. Right. I, I do think it's really telling that the last Nintendo product that was the really hot Christmas property was the NES Classic this year. And yep. I still can't find one. Like, that That never happened Because Nintendo was ridiculous. Well, yeah, well, I think it, if you... if. If you look at them historically, it's a it's a decision they've made since the NES. And, you know, it works for them. But I, mm-hmm. I think it's... My, my point is, I, I think that a lot is riding on the Switch. And, yeah. you know, I... I, I'm not someone with a hyper affinity for Nintendo, but I found so much value with the Wii U as far as games I could play with my husband, mm-hmm. who is way more casual than I am. And I look at this and I see the the capability to bring Smash games and just take it to like, you know, like out to a dinner with nerdy friends, right? Mm-hmm. Or I, I just think there's, I, I think this is a system that's going to be very successful. I haven't seen people excited about Nintendo like this in a long time. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. And it, I would even say, because I was at the Wii U launch um, in New York, and that was exciting. But there was also kind of this sense of, 
it wasn't the same thing as what we're feeling now. And and I think you're right. I think that it honestly helps them having, you know, even though uh, they're, you know, the, the response to Super Mario Run has been a little bit mixed, I think, though, that having that hype, I think, but though having the the hype of the, the you know, NES Classic Edition um, has really been good for them. And I mean, I'm excited. I, I can't wait. I'm going to be there all day with hands-on stuff on Friday, and I'm going to be staying up all night. <sighs> oh, it's going to be Thursday fall. Watching. You're going to have so much fun, Christina. I'm going to have so much fun. You're going to work very hard, but have so much fun. Uh, oh, oh, Mass Effect. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna do a yeah, cool yeah, thing yeah. where I segue this into what if Mass Effect Andromeda will be on the Switch, <laughs> and I totally forgot, and now it's too late. Um, so Brie, you at the beginning of the I, top I of the show, I just want like we're talking video games super yes. quickly. How hyped are you about Mass Effect Andromeda I'm coming hyped. out? There is so much like good. negative negativity oh flying around about every single thing that we've seen about this game, and I'm like, uh, yeah, sure, I guess the animations might look a little wonky, but I'm excited. I'm excited. I I feel like Mass Effect 3 has a BS reputation. And there were a lot of people that were unhappy with that. But they they did go through and they fixed the endings. That is a good game. It's not as good as 2, which is the greatest game ever made. But I I agree with you, Samantha. I can't believe how many people are rooting for this to fail. Um, I have to say, the part of it we know so far, the little story bits with Ryder... I'm not so sold on the premise, even though we've only gotten glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's a core hook to kind of get you in there. But you didn't find out about the Reapers until like 12 hours into Mass Effect 1. Yeah, so, and then it was years after yeah. that until Overwatch finally came out and we really learned what they were. So <laughs> What? What are sorry. you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Reaper and Overwatch. Oh, oh, that's I a terrible joke, I was making joke, a really Simone. dumb joke. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, you're, you're so right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's in the universe that we know and love, but very, very far from where the stories have taken place so far. And I, I love a good space opera, and I love the way that the Mass Effect universe feels to me. Like, it doesn't yeah, feel yeah. super... It, it feels very culturally interesting to me and i think that there's a lot of depth there still to explore with uh, the the different species and how they work together and i'm i'm interested to see what story they have to tell that you know I'm is too. removed from the reapers and what happened in the first three mass effect games yeah even Christy, if I'm, have you ever yeah. played mass effect or I you I, I mean okay, i'm not like yeah. hardcore into it, but i played it and i will say this during the nvidia press conference they showed off the gameplay trailer yeah and i was i was like i was hype i was like this looks really fun yeah the gameplay yeah. does look super duper fun uh, they also showed a lot of menus, which just made me tired because I cannot look at game menus. It is my <laughs> biggest weakness. I look at them and I just see nonsense. So You know what I want to see this time around, Simone? Yeah, I know you won't judge me for this. Is a, a Ryder Hanar love story. I, I was going to say Krogan. I want to yes. bang a Krogan. See, yeah. th- this is the, yeah. the game trailer was very cool. I loved the game trailer. It was shiny and <laughs> yeah. sparkly. I want to know who I'm going to kiss. Yeah, that's very important to me. Yeah. Who will I kiss? Uh, And it's coming out super soon. Like they announced, they stealth announced that it's coming out in March. So um, they have very little time to get me hype for who I'm going to kiss. But of course, at the Nintendo Switch event tomorrow, where they announced that Mass Effect Andromeda is a Nintendo Switch exclusive, we will find out who I will kiss. It's going to be a Nintendo alien kissing game. That's the great, the big surprise. That's the great thing about it. 
Wow. (laughs) I will let you all decide what I what I said that was true and what I said that was not. Um, what are we up to this week, Brianna? What are you doing? I'm running for Congress. I'm shaking hands. I'm raising money. I'm living the dream. You were looking fancy on TV. Living the dream. It is amazing. So, what were you saying? You looked fancy on TV. Thank you. you Thank did. you. you look great. I, I've spent so much time on. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say this. I'm 39 before I actually bought some lip liner and figured out how it works. So yeah, uh, it's it's ridiculous how much you know running for office is appearances. But I have uh, quadrupled down on that stuff lately. So thank you. Jeez, Christina, what about you? Yeah, you know what? Um, I'm uh, I'm recovering from uh, everything from CES. I'm really just geared up to the Nintendo event. That's what I'm up to, oh. um, uh, you know, uh, for, for the rest of the week. And the next week, I'm actually off until, like, Thursday. So, Because um, nice. it's Martin Luther King Day, and then I've got two days off. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gearing up for the Nintendo event, and then I'm going to sleep. Heck, yeah. That sounds awesome. I'm so jealous you're going to that, Christina. I'm so, oh. I'm, dude, I'm so jealous I'm going to that. I'm going. Yeah. I'm like, yes. Yeah, and no, I'm very excited. <laughs> and I am spending the rest of the week working on my book, as usual, which is coming along. It's trucking along. I just have so few things left to do. Um, and yeah, so <laughs> I just sounded so, so disappointed about it. we have a special but rocket about this, right? When it's you not launch, tech like, related at all. Yeah, no, but it's but it's it's Simone it's related. You. Our, our audience members <laughs> it's love Simone you. It's related. Who yeah. cares? We yeah. can talk about that nightmare publishing problem that happened. Well, yeah. I almost I almost just googled nightmare publishing problem. I was like, what was that thing? Um, let, let's let, let's talk about the tech of publishing and, and and that whole thing. That's actually interesting. Yeah, oh, I just want to talk about Simone's pouring I mean, book. I, like, I mean, I want I want to talk about your book all the time. Too. I just think it's yeah. Oh, ARE is down, down, down. Okay, sorry. F- exploring that legal drama of all romance ebooks, which is something that no one has heard about, but there was some drama um, with ebooks rights that is very interesting and relevant to the show. But we'll talk about it some other time. Uh, right. So that's what I'm doing this week. And uh, yeah, where can we find you online, Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams and uh, the Snapchats. And uh, you can find my writing at gizmodo.com. And um, if you guys follow Gizmodo on um, Instagram, I'm going to be snap um, Instagram storying from the Nintendo event. So you can see some of that stuff there. So jealous. So jealous. Well, I'll probably watch my own. No, we don't have an Instagram, really. I'll follow yours, Christina. I'll watch you. Yeah, follow us. Follow us on Instagram. Follow the Instagram story. You could just make it the Polygon one and you just steal all Christina's (laughs) stuff and just post it. Well, you'll enjoy it because it'll be very me. Like at CES, I kept like showing like just like kind of like the, the, the real world side of like CES. Like I wasn't really focusing on all the cool stuff. I'm like, this is my lunch at Denny's. Yes. <laughs> this is my alcohol I'm oh, drinking. This yeah. is the real you know, yes. the, the slice of life stuff. And so the Nintendo thing, it'll be probably a little more like the hands-on thing. It'll be like, this is me waiting in line for the press check-in. This is me <gasps> this holding is my a Switch and crying. Christina, exactly. do you think you're going to run into like... So at Nintendo events, they chain the products to like gorgeous models yes, that they yes, bring out ooh. it's really weird and you're like you're trying it you're like i feel so weird for you i'm sorry this is kind <laughs> oh of oh my god you're right yeah probably yeah oh, it'll, be, it'll be so interesting that. can you oh please god. interview one of them on instagram stories actually that's a really good idea <laughs> i will take a uh, check in the mail for it um <laughs> and brianna where can we find you online uh, you can find me on the FEC website. We're, we're 100% in compliance, following the law, and also on Twitter under SpaceCatCom. Nice. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and my videos at YouTube.com slash Polygon. 
Thank you for listening to the show. If you liked it, please leave us a review or two. <laughs> Don't leave us two reviews. That's cheating. Stop. I understand I'm, that they're both five-star reviews. I know that you love us, but you can't leave two of them. It's just not I mean, fair. If, well, I mean, if you do, just make sure there's two separate iTunes logins. That's all we're yeah, asking for. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah. not telling you to create a separate like iTunes account to Christina. give us a second five-star review. We're, uh, we're not saying morally. that. We're just saying that yes, if you, cause that we're just saying that if you did. repugnant if someone no, did that. I'm, I mean, I'm just saying that if you did that, like, cool. Well, if you're no, cheap, not cool. Cheap to win. If yeah, someone exactly. did that, that would be deeply unfair, and I would have to report them to the authorities. But oh, I would not. I would not. I, 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 I would. I would wink. 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 Yeah. Wink. This episode of Rocket is terminated. <laughs> terminated. Terminated. Terminated.